The following recording is a presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California, and of Pastor Val Mark Smith. We are an independent Baptist congregation committed to the accurate presentation of the historical doctrines of the faith. We welcome your visit to our services anytime here in the Rohnert Park area. All right, take your Bibles with me this morning, please. Turn to 1 Peter, chapter 1. Peter, chapter 1. I think it was a couple of months ago, I, I had a, a rare occasion um, to not sing with the choir, but to, I, I, because of situations and my scheduling, I, I didn't, didn't have time to rehearse the song with the choir, so I didn't sing this song. And I was sitting on the side <clears throat> in the wonderful chair that they provided for me over there. But I was sitting over there, and the choir sang a song, In Pursuit of Holiness. And... When I, when I heard that song, I thought, wow, that would make a great sermon. And uh, then it was shortly after that, I discovered that a uh, pastor was going to be on this rather long trip, so I decided I would, I would use this subject and, and write a series of messages entitled, In Pursuit of Holiness. And so that's what we're going to look at for the next five Sundays, Lord willing. We're going to look at uh, holiness in the life of the believer, and we're going to discuss a lot of details surrounding that. So if you take your Bibles with me at First Peter chapter 1 and stand, we'll read the first 16 verses of First Peter chapter 1. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ, grace unto you, and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Wherein ye greatly rejoice, though now for a season, if need be, ye are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory, at the appearing of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen, ye love, in whom, though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls, of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what? Or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that should follow. Unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things the angels desire to look into. Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, 
and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ, as obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the former lusts in your ignorance, but as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Let's pray. Father, we come before you this morning as humble children, seeking, Lord, that you would instruct us, that you would, that you would guide us, that you would lead us, that you would direct us. We thank you, Lord, for your word which you've given us, that sort of God whereby we may fashion our lives and, 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 and Lord, where we may follow your, your will. Thank you for your spirit which you've given us, the comforter, who instructs and teaches us in all things. Now as we gather around your word this morning, I pray that everything that will be said today would be profitable to us as your children, that that we would be instructed in, in righteousness, and Father, that we would learn true holiness, and we would understand what it is that you have called us unto. Thank you, Lord, for this time now. We ask that you bless in Jesus' name. Amen. We read just a moment ago from 1 Peter chapter 1, in verse 15 and 16, But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Holiness. This is the subject matter of today. Holiness. What is holiness? How can we possess holiness? And how can we keep our lives holy before God? This morning, millions around this world seek this very thing. Holiness. But holiness eludes them. To the natural man, holiness implies existing in a superior state. If you, if you poll people and say, what does it mean to be holy? They'll give you things like, well, it means to be, means to be good and to, to, to be, be pure. And, and they, they, they perceive that holiness implies that we live, we exist in a superior state to all others around us. It, it implies that we live above the pettiness of selfishness or, or self-gratification. Uh, that we live in a state of pseudo-perfection, if you will. But for man, this is not possible. It is not possible for you or me as in our natural state as, as, as a human being to live in holiness. And that's because of our sinful nature. If it were possible that we could live in holiness, then we would have no need of a Savior, would we? And furthermore, we need to remember that God cannot fellowship with unrighteousness. God cannot 
fellowship with that which is not holy. But it is not possible for man to live in holiness unless God changes him. And unless God empowers you and me to live a holy life. Unless God makes us holy and enables us to remain holy, we cannot live in holiness. Therefore, we cannot fellowship with God. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 and 18, we read, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. And that word creature can actually be translated creation. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become... What's that next word? New. And all things are of who? God. Who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given us, given to us the ministry of reconciliation. As a believer in Christ, we are a new creation. Reborn. The new birth. Reborn under the nature of Christ. Our first birth, when I was born on October 21st, 1957, that birth was of my mother and father, and I was born under the sinful nature of man. I mean, I was the most beautiful baby ever born. I was the sweetest child that ever lived. But I was born under a sinful nature. And I grew to be a little stinker. Just as we all did. But you see, on November 29th, 1981, I was born again. I was reborn. And this time I was born... Not of my mother and father, but I was born of my heavenly father. And I was born under the nature of Jesus Christ the Lord. Albeit, I still possess a sinful nature. All of us here, we still possess the sinful nature of the flesh. But we are reborn under the nature of Christ. However, it is God working in us that produced that new birth. It is God working in us to reconcile us to himself. There is nothing I could do to reconcile myself to God. There is nothing I could do to make myself righteous or holy so that I could fellowship with God. Nothing I could do. It is God working in me to reconcile me to himself. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 19 we read, To wit, that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, 
and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, from this verse, we can see that God established our justification through the sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. And he has further established and purposed that we would dispense the gospel message in the power and purpose given unto us by him. So from this we can establish that it is God the Father who hath quickened us, made us alive, who hath, who hath saved us, who hath empowered us, that we might live in the holiness that he has ordained and commanded of us. Holiness is not, listen to me now, holiness is not the doing of things. And holiness is not the abstinence of things. Some people believe, well, because I dress a certain way, I'm more holy than those that don't. Others think, well, because I don't do these things, I'm holy. But is that really what holiness is? Well, we're going to find out. By definition, holiness is to be consecrated to God's service. Insofar as we are conformed in all things to the will of God. From this definition, I find that there are two important aspects to our holiness. Consecration and conformity. I'd like to take a look at those for just a moment. First, we look at consecration. Consecration, which means to dedicate, to be dedicated to a single purpose. Now, We've already established that it is God that reconciled us to himself, and that not by our own efforts. We did nothing. We, you and I did absolutely nothing to reconcile ourselves to the Father. Therefore, it logically follows that since we were not able to establish our own righteousness, our own sanctification, then we will not be able to establish our own holiness as well. And further, since our efforts to live holy lives would ring hollow to the Father, the only thing we can do is to dedicate our life to the purpose and will of God. There's nothing else you or I can do. No, no good works, no Attempts at righteousness satisfy the Father with regards to the fellowship that he and I have. So nothing I can do is going to restore my fellowship to the Father. Only he can do that. It is his work. It is his regeneration. It is his salvation. It is his sanctification that enables me, that makes me holy in his sight so that he can fellowship with me, and that I can fellowship with him. So the only thing that I can do, the only thing that you can do, 
is to dedicate your life to the purpose and will of God. We get so caught up. We get so busy in our lives. We establish friendships. We, we have all these, all these situations in our life. And, and we get so caught up in all those things that we forget why we are here. We forget the purpose and will of the Father. But if we are going to actually do the only thing that we can do, then we must dedicate our lives to the Father. We must be consecrated. But how can we do this? We're sinful flesh. How can we dedicate our lives to the Father? How can we, how can we live in such a way that, that we, are, we are useful to the Father in His will? Well, let's look at that. Let's turn together to Galatians chapter 5, please. Galatians chapter 5, and we'll begin reading at verse 16. Verse 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Wow. There it is, right there. How are we going to, how are we going to dedicate our lives to the Lord? How are we going to uh, consecrate our lives and and be useful to God, it's right there. Walk in the Spirit, and ye will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh, verse 17, lusteth against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that ye cannot do, do you see that? Ye cannot do the things that ye would. In other words, the battle that takes place between our flesh and between the new nature that we have been given in Christ, that battle causes us often to not be able to do the things that we know we should do and that we really want to do. Verse 18, But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these. Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in the past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. We could have saved all that writing in verse 19 and just say, now the works of the flesh are America. And we'd be right. But look at verse 22. But the fruit of the Spirit. I want you to notice that word fruit is singular. It doesn't say the fruits of the Spirit. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there is no law. The fruit, it's singular. You see, if you walk in the Spirit, if you live in the Spirit, if you're submitted to the Holy Spirit of God, you don't just have one or two of those. You have them all. They're all a part of your life. They're all prevalent in your life. 
And they that are Christ have crucified the flesh with the affections and lusts. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. So how do we, how do we dedicate, how do we consecrate our lives to the Lord? By, by, by what? By walking in the Spirit. By living in the Spirit of Christ. We submit to the Spirit of God. We act upon the empowerment we have been given. Before, we had to obey the flesh. But now the flesh has no power over us. The flesh only has the power that we surrender, that we give to it. Turn with me right now to Romans, if you would. Just back a couple of books in the Bible. Romans, in chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. Look at verse 11. Likewise reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, we've been, we've been given the power over sin. Verse 12, let, us, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for ye are not under the law, but under grace. And and I've taught this before, the mortification of the flesh. God mortified our flesh at our salvation. What that means is that he limited its power. The, The flesh has the power to tempt you, but does not have the power to rule you. Only you can give sin that power. Only you can give your flesh the power to rule your life. Therefore, you and I choose to obey, or we choose to not obey. We are not bound by sin. The devil does not make us do it. The flesh has no power over you anymore. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 6, we read this, Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. If we are to live holy, we must be consecrated to the Lord and his will and purpose. But then also, if we are to live holy, we must have conformity. Conformity means to bring into harmony or accord. We're in Romans. Let's just go to chapter 12 together. Just turn to chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, beginning at verse 1. I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service, And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove it is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Conformity. Verse 2 states that we are not to be conformed to this world. Then it would go without saying that if we are not to be conformed to this world, then who are we to be conformed to? To Christ. So we're not conformed, we're not to be conformed to the world, we're to be conformed to Christ. Verse 1, 
admonished us to present our bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. And then verse 2 expounds on how we will be able to accomplish this. How do we do this? How do we avoid conforming to the world? How do we present our bodies to God, a living sacrifice? By transforming our minds. By renewing the way we think. By coming into harmony and agreement with the mind of Christ. A mind which you and I have been given. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Oh yes. Upon your salvation, upon your new birth, you were not only... Given, you were not only born under the nature of Christ, but you were given the mind of Christ by the Comforter, by His Holy Spirit. This takes us back to what I said earlier that we submit to the Holy Spirit for our guidance. In John chapter 16, we read, Howbeit when He, the Spirit of truth, is come, He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. The Spirit of God will teach you, will teach me to be in harmony with God's word, and he will guide us to live in accordance to God's principles. Then we truly can fulfill the admonishment we were given. In 1 Peter chapter 1, where it states, But as he which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. We can and we will lead holy lives, not in our own power or righteousness, but rather in the power and righteousness given to us through Jesus Christ our Lord and Savior. So you see, holiness this morning is not something that you have to look for. It's not something that you pursue. It's not something that you, you try to do through your efforts. We already have it. It's already been given to us. It has to be. Don't you understand? It has to be. Because if we weren't made holy, we couldn't fellowship with the Father. You find me scriptures that say you can fellowship with the Father without being holy, and I'll change my opinion. You you find scriptures that say you can fellowship with God the Father without being righteous, and I'll change my opinion. I can't fellowship with God unless I'm righteous. I can't fellowship with God unless I'm holy. But God knows if 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 righteousness and holiness depends on me, then he and I will never fellowship because I'll never be righteous and I'll never be holy because I'm sinful. I'm depraved. In my heart, in this human heart, devises wicked imaginations continually. So I know now where my holiness comes from. My holiness 
comes from the Father. God has made me holy. He's, and he's empowered me to continue in holiness. He's empowered me to live holy. He's empowered me to make the choices that I have to make to remain holy. So I would like to examine. Now, we, now we've identified holiness. We, we, we've, we've defined it. So now I'd like to take the next, the remainder of this lesson today, which I don't have much time, and the next four to talk about how do we obtain holiness. So number one, on Roman number one on your study sheets is this. Holiness begins at Calvary. Holiness begins at Calvary. First Peter chapter one and verse two, we read it earlier. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through sanctification of the Spirit, unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Did you see that? Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. In Ephesians chapter 1 we read, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ, according as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love. Now listen, I'm not, I'm not going to launch off into a, a lesson on election. Uh, I want to stay on target, and this would be, uh, it'd be a very good subject to get into, but we've heard many lessons on election. But my point here is, if you look at verse 4, it states, according as he hath chosen us in him, before the foundation of the world, so that we should be... What's that next word? There it is. We were chosen. We were elected in eternity past to be holy before God. Elect according to the foreknowledge of God. Through sanctification of the Spirit, Paul wrote. 1 Corinthians 6.11 And such were some of you, but ye are washed... But ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Not only were we elect in eternity past, but we are sanctified by God's Holy Spirit. And then thirdly in that, sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. In Colossians chapter 1, giving thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear Son, in whom we have redemption through his blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Listen, folks. Life begins at Calvary. Life begins at Calvary. I was born in 1957, but I didn't begin to live until 1981. See, I was born dead. Spiritually. I was born dead. And I began to live when I came to the cross. Life begins at Calvary. Ephesians chapter 2. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, 
according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, um, among whom also we had all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. We were quickened. We were made alive. We, 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 were, we were regenerated by, by God the Father. It is God that hath made us alive. It is God that hath quickened us. Not, not our own efforts. Regeneration, repentance, salvation, sanctification. These are all the works of the Father. And they all take place at the same instant. And furthermore, they are all absolutely necessary for you and me to live in holiness. Now let us reason together for a moment. The natural man, the unsaved man, has not been regenerated, right? He has not repented, right? He is not saved, correct? He is not sanctified, right? Therefore, he cannot live in holiness. He might be able to try. He might be able to, he might be able to clean up a few things in his life and, and appear to be more holy, but he's not living in holiness. Now, let's take this a step further. If election is true, and it is, then a man claiming to be a believer, but rejecting the doctrines of God's sovereignty and the election of grace. You follow me? A man claims to be a believer, but he rejects election. He's, he, doesn't, he doesn't believe in the sovereignty of God in the matter of grace. Then I'm telling you, he cannot be regenerated. He cannot have repented. He cannot be saved. He cannot be sanctified. And he cannot live in holiness. The ability to live in holiness is not accomplished at the will of man. It is only accomplished through the work of God. Our ability to live in holiness is the result of his workmanship. Let's look at Ephesians chapter number 2 together. I'm trying to get you out early, but I'm failing miserably. Ephesians chapter 2. But I'm close. I'm close. We're not, we're not much further. Ephesians chapter 2, look at verse 4. But God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace, in his kindness toward us, through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Now look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You see, the length of your hair, the, the, the cut of your dress... The music you listen to or don't listen to, all these outward standards, they are not evidence of holiness. They are the traditions of men. They are works without faith. 
In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 27 we read, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like unto whited sepulchres, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. No rules and standards do not make one holy. They only serve to cater to pride and arrogance. Now wait a minute. I'm not saying that the outside isn't important. Because it is important. What, the way we present ourselves represents, if we claim to be a believer, the way we present ourselves represents our, our, our Savior. But when a man is sanctified in his heart, when the inside of the cup is clean, then the outside will also be clean. In Matthew chapter 23 and verse 26, Thou blind Pharisee, cleanse first that which is within the cup and platter, that the outside of them may be clean also. See, there's too many, so many people try to clean up the outside. They try to make the outside look right. And, 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 and that's not a bad thing. But inside, inside they're filthy. Inside, Jesus said, you're full of all uncleanness and dead man's bones. But if the inside is clean, if the inside is right, if, if our heart is is sanctified, if, if we live in the empowerment we've been given by Christ to live a holy life, then, the outs, then it will manifest itself on the outside. And all the other things we should do, we will do. You see, holiness doesn't start from outside and go inward. Holiness starts from the inside and manifests itself on the outside. And we all know that only God, only God can clean the inside. In pursuit of holiness, all of us here this morning, I'm sure, would desire to live and walk in holiness. Well, I have to stop today, but we've just begun to scratch the surface of this matter. But I implore you to take what we've learned this morning and apply it to your life. Go forth today with the knowledge that your holiness doesn't come from what you do or what you don't do. It's not by your efforts. Your ability to be holy is not come, does not come from you. It comes from the Father. And it's been given to us. We've, we've been granted. It's, it's, God has ordained that we would be holy. And that we will live in holiness. So let us, let us consecrate our lives today. And let us conform to the expectations of God. That which we have been empowered to do. That which we've been enabled by, by God through His Holy Spirit. Let us take that truth and go forth. And begin to live in holiness as God desires that we would. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time. Lord, I pray that this, this truth would have been given to your people, that they would understand 
what, was tr- what I was trying to say, I know, Father, that others could have done a much better job, I'm sure, presenting this material, but I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open our eyes to this truth and that you would help us, each one of us, to walk in the holiness that we have been given by you. Not, not try to be holy, but empower, use the empowerment you've given us. Be holy. Thank you, Father, for all that are here. I pray you bless this time now. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this presentation of the Berean Baptist Church of Rohnert Park, California. If you would like further information about our church, please feel free to call us at area code 707-584-7275 or write to us at Berean Baptist Church, 6298 Country Club Drive, Rohnert Park, California, 94928. Additionally, you may visit us on the World Wide Web at www.bebaptist.org.